0: 23 minutes after 7pm, it's our wrap of the top business stories. And uh, joining me tonight to take a look at the big stories out in the world of business, joined by Kanyan Zululeka, co-founder out at Satana Capital, uh, to take a look at the latest out in company news and also uh, some uh, yeah, big stories coming out of SAA and Cabinet. Kanya, good evening. Welcome. Evening, Aya. How are you doing? I hope you had a good Mpella um, vegi.
1: No, I, I really did. Um, well rested and uh, very keen to take on this week.
0: Oh yeah, good to hear, good to hear. Kanya, I want us to start out in the world of cement maker, uh, PPC, mm-hmm. the Pretoria Portland com- uh, Pretoria Portland Cement uh, Limited Company. They they came out with a very interesting and uh, I must say a very mixed bag here. Uh, but uh, mm. yeah, let's, um, let's take a look at a group level and then we'll come and make sense of what the different uh, geographies have yielded uh, for the cement maker. Group revenue up 9% to just over $4 billion. And, uh, yeah, group uh, operating margins declining to 13.7% from 16.9% uh, in the last year and uh, also profit increasing somewhat uh, just over a quarter of a billion rand there. What do you make of uh, this set of numbers? But also, more importantly, some of the, I guess, hyperinflation and currency issues coming out of the Zimbabwean operations.
1: Uh, yeah I uh, actually was just going to hit on that point immediately. um what's very interesting is that the results you just gave are excluding the Zimbabwe operations, which is actually quite uh, you know a significant one for them um even though it has actually reduced in the current um you know in the current period that we're looking at from twenty four percent in the prior period comparable period and is currently sitting at seventeen percent um so yeah, I think that the results that have come out from, from PPC, like you said, quite mixed and, you know, you have to actually dig quite deep into the actual report to, to make sense of it. So, yeah, I think that, you know, they really have suffered a lot from, you know, the, the hyperinflation in Zimbabwe, um, Zim dollar depreciating 72% against the RAND since, uh, March 2022. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, um, it's, it's gotten to the point whereby, from an accounting perspective, um, the finance department at the company can actually implement um hyperinflation accounting which you know in in simpler terms, terms just means that they try to take out the effects of the hyperinflation um but yeah i mean i think that um not necessarily the, the the best you know six months for ppc
0: and and maybe let's just talk about ppc because as i said there is a mixed bag um mm. and I, I you know so I did say earlier on those operating margins were down from 16.9% to around 13.7%. And that's, uh, I guess, a measure of profitability on every single rand of revenue made. Um, Mm. And it seems the profitability is looking a lot better out in Rwanda than in many of the projects. Operating margins there standing at around 32.3%. And they also saw their earnings increasing 63% uh, to uh, $249 What is happening in Rwanda, and why, I guess, is it having such a buoyant impact on PPC's numbers?
1: Yeah, so uh, in Rwanda, the the big story there is basically increased demand from um, government-sponsored infrastructure projects, um, and just a general resurgence in you know general building activity, um, quite similar to what they noted happening in the coastal areas of South Africa. Um, So, yeah, I I think that, you know, Zimbabwe is obviously not the best of stories. Um, Rwanda, you know, seems to have been a winner for them. And in South Africa, we have a mixed bag whereby, you know, the sales from an inland perspective haven't been great. But in coastal regions, they're citing the fact that, you know, some postponed government projects have now been resumed. Um, And, yeah, just a general increase in industrial activity.
0: And then... In South Africa and Botswana, um, also saw I guess uh, some numbers coming out there. And for me, whenever I look at um, you know building supplies um, firms, it might be you know a steel player or a you know glass player, and in this case, a cement maker. Um, it always is a signal, I guess, of what is happening in the real economy out in construction. And it seems, uh, notwithstanding all of the difficulties, some recovery in some uh, resumption of uh, stalled government projects in South Africa. And in addition to that, um, a strong inland recovery for industrial construction. It seems more distribution centers are being built and seemingly all of these complexes and sectional title estates that are propping up, are also propping up the numbers of PPC.
1: Yeah, um, so uh, yeah, definitely some improvements there from a South Africa and a Botswana perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, like you're saying, the more we see some form, some form of improvement from a macroeconomic perspective, the more we can actually um, see improvement you know, for um, material supplies such as PPC. Um, very interestingly enough, something else that's contributed um, quite positively to the South African um, revenue figures is the fact that imports actually decreased. Imports of cement into the country actually decreased, um, and that's due to supply chain issues as well as the fact that you know the rand has generally. Been weaker in recent times, um, so I think that you know all of those things and a rebound in the construction activities, um, you know some form of like a positive impact from your cement imports decreasing as well as the weaker rand um, has actually helped them to you know come out some form of good um, results. Um, however, if you look at the share price, the market's not necessarily cheering them. Um, you know, closing um, today down three percent.
0: And then uh, I guess the, the other element is around capacity. Um, and they're also oh. suggesting that um, there's been some decline in imports that have come through, which has uh, sort of been favorable for their top line. But also they are saying domestic cement production capacity exceeds current demand. Um, and yet, I mean, we often hear there's all manner of kilns being built left, right and center. What do you make of that assessment? That they probably have much more capacity on hand than the volumes they can realistically sell into the market?
1: Um, yeah i, th- I think it's actually you know quite quite an interesting one um you know you you have to ask yourself that what exactly is then going to happen um you know with that production capacity um but yeah i i think that's you know, I don't have much of an opinion on it, if I'm quite frank. Yeah. Um, but I just think that, you know, it's it's going to necessitate that management think quite clearly about, you know, what do you do with that excess demand, I mean, mm. with that excess production. You know, you need to find a home for it somewhere, somehow. Um, and I think that, you know, with the difficulties that they're having in the other regions, it's not going to be easy. Um, but that's a challenge to management, essentially.
0: Yeah. Astral Foods, the guys who give us uh, chicken, And also, uh, to some degree, in the feed game, revenue up 22%. Operating profit, 103% up. What happened in this particular market where we hear all the time poultry producers saying the municipalities don't work, we're in a fix, there's imports coming in, there's higher feed prices, and notwithstanding all of that stuff, you still get an astral that's coming in with operating profit numbers of over 100%, uh, operating margin increases, I should say, of 100%. I mean... I'm not sure if I mm. can make sense of this.
1: Um, no, I, I think that you know these are absolutely phenomenal, um, you know, results from Astro. Um, funny enough, a month ago they actually came out reporting that you know um, high feed costs are actually really going to play into their profits for the six months um, ending March 2023. Well, clearly um, they, they didn't tell
0: enough, you know, because <laughs> I mean, if you are making operating profit rises of 103. percent You're certainly Um. in good territory.
1: Yeah, but you may find that it actually, you know, was an impact that happened, you know, in recent months, um, you know, and that, you know, for the for the year ended, I think it's September 2022, um, that impact wasn't necessarily factored in yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, notwithstanding all of that, they've done absolutely well, you know, to effectively, you know, show that they have resilience. They've also been able to handle the threat of, you know, the ever um, lurking avian influenza. Um, and the big story really coming out there is basically an increase in their sales volume. Um, they've also shown, you know, an increase um, in the selling price of poultry. Um, and yeah, I think that generally really strong operational efficiencies in terms of you know your high feed costs, dealing with load shedding, dealing with you know um, very difficult environments in South Africa where the infrastructure isn't always working. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they've really been able to 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 navigate all of those those factors quite well. Um, a big story for them, though, is really the fact that, you know, post-COVID, um, they've gotten a really good recovery from the restaurant industry. Um, so obviously, um, you know, people going out, having a drink, and then um, mid-all of that, calling in from chicken wings. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, management has done absolutely well. They'll be very disappointed with the share price movement today. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, otherwise they've done really well.
0: And then let's go to the unfolding soapy. I mean, a movie, film, drama, (laughs) out at the South African carrier, National Carrier. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, we. I think we really need a documentary. That you know, as a documentary is a last streaming platform, the ones Mm -hmm. that unpack how we got firstly to the voluntary business rescue at the end of 2019 uh, at SAA, and what subsequently happened. And of course, we know there's the Takato story. But uh, in many of the papers and in the reports over the weekend, um, there had been an earlier assertion that, um, you know, uh, Novic had exited stage left. He had said it's because he's not getting any information about what effectively is happening. He doesn't, doesn't think uh, his partners in the consortium will be able to raise the 3 billion rand working capital mm. requirements and so on. Uh, they also came out on the weekend hitting back. And it seems this morning he's also come back Responding to that, and uh, I anticipate that there will be many other responses
1: very interesting um it's really hard to believe that these parties are actually looking to do business together um i I told. Um, <laughs> it's very interesting, right? Um, you know, that back and forth that you just described right now about the fact that, you know, didn't comes out and effectively, you know, reiterates what a lot of critics of this deal have been saying, that there's no transparency. As the South African public, we don't know what's happening. And he comes out as a board member and effectively reiterates the exact same thing. Um, obviously, um, the remaining shareholders, particularly Harris, not happy about that. And, um, yeah, well, I mean, it, the, the report actually came from the media. Um, he then comes out very interestingly and says that the point needs to be made that the predominant shareholder of that media house that came out of the story about him wanting a, a merger between SA and Lyft um, is somehow affiliated to Harris. So, you know, in your words, the movie, the film, and, oh, Africa. Yeah, as South Africa, we still don't know what's happening exactly. Um, you know, but if you look at both stories, if either one of those are true, it's very worrying, right? Mm. Because if it is true that you know Mr. Gete Nozick was trying to use his position to effectively influence a decision that was going to benefit his other company list, that's extremely worrying. Um, that you know we have that happening at the national carrier, but at the same exact same time, it's true that there's no clarity around how is this capital going to be raised to effect the Takatsu deal. That's also very worrying. Um, and still, you know, our Minister of Public Enterprises is coming out very strongly saying, guys, don't worry, everything is still on track. Um, but yeah, I mean, we still have no line of sight of a lot of things, no line wow. of sight of audited financial statements, no line of sight of, like you said, you know, how did we get here? Yeah. And hopefully we can find some form of accountability from, you know, all parties that are involved sure. in this deal.
0: It seems there are a few murky matters here. I mean, if, if I take, for instance, you know, Kidenovic, Novik, he suggests that the things he really wanted to know were, where are we with the transaction? You know, do cool. we have the capital committed? Um, you know, on the transaction, um, you know, all of these things that he thinks members of the general public, you know, would also have a keen interest in. But I, I guess he's not just some innocent bystander. He's not you and me here. He mm. runs, you know, and he's part of a team that runs another budget airliner, uh, which in this case had been hoping to be subsumed into SAA um, and hopefully resolve a conflict of interest. Um, I must say, I mean, you know. As by their own admission, lift is not what it was probably a year or a year and a half ago. I mean, they've got a fleet of six now. Um, SAA, I think, has about three, you know, uh, uh, three three planes that they're operating at the moment. And I must say, I mean, I flew uh, SAA this weekend. Um, still, the SAA, I know, you know, in terms of the service and in terms of the offering. But um, I think for many people, really good to, to see it operating, generating its own cash flows. Um, and it makes one wonder, I mean if SAA does continue to generate cash flows, has a bumper December, do they really, mm. really need this deal? The longer this deal delays, I mean, there's still competition authorities that need to give, you know, a regulatory approval. But the longer this deal delays for, the longer I would think it makes more, I guess, unneeded the strategic equity partner that um, has us discussing all this. Yeah, I, I think that, you
1: know, it, it's a it's a question that we need to ask, but unfortunately, it's a question that we can't objectively answer because we don't have line of sight of those cash flows. Yeah, I mean, that's the chairman.
0: The other thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I in a black box. Mm.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, the chairman, it's either the chairman of the CEO of, of SAA, did mm. come out in recent weeks saying that, you know, cash flows oh, it's the same are amazing. Person, by the way.
0: Sorry? It's the same person. So, so the CEO is the chair.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> um, so that gentleman coming out, speaking about how, you know, cash flows are great. And so, you know, cash flows are great. How great are they? And therefore, if they're great, um, do we really need to steal? But it's really difficult because it's it's extremely closed off. And it's, um, it's extremely peculiar that, you know, all parties involved are mm-hmm. arguing that it's being transparent. And that any form of information that is necessary for the public to to form their own opinion on it is publicly available. So, but I mean, we're here discussing it and we're saying, I got the right thing. this is essentially what's going on. It's like, oh, what's this, what's that? But we don't have any facts mm. in front of us, except that it is very worrying that the consortium partners don't seem to be on the same um, page. And especially to consider that Giden Novik's company was effectively the company that was supposed to bring in technical expertise mm. and effectively provide guidance on how to actually move the company forward in a more sustainable manner. Yeah. Now we're hearing quite, you know, talk about the fact that, hey, maybe they're going to bring in experts internationally. It's a lot, but let's see how it info- unfolds and hopefully it, it will be good for, for, for the public.
0: Let's certainly see how this unfolds and uh, I mean, you know if i if wishes were horses i would say kid and just go and merge with mango and create another budget you know airliner and you know walk away from the saa thing um but hey i mean i guess yeah if wishes were horses last one on my end scrap metal cabinets uh seemingly really seriously considering a ban on the export of uh, scrap metal and uh, i think we've said on this platform many a times one of the things that is an impetus to the stripping of public infrastructure might certainly be the, um, you know, higher than average global prices of steel and in particular some of its derivatives in scrap and waste.
1: Mm. Yeah, so um, today cabinet basically gave the go-ahead for restrictions on scrap metal exports. Um, Very, very interesting. Um, A lot of people coming out, you know, saying that, listen, this is a crime matter and not Mm -hmm. necessarily a trade issue. Um, But, you know, to your point, like you're saying... As South Africa, you know we don 't necessarily consume a lot of scrap scrap metal, yeah. so you know if you 're shooting off the hip and you 're not necessarily looking at empir- empirical evidence you 're going to say that okay, all this like you know public infrastructure that 's being stripped, particularly copper cables, is going into the export market um, that is the inclination you would have, however. You know, we don't have empirical evidence to actually prove that that is the case. And so, um, personally, I'm very mm. surprised, um, you know, by, you know, the decision that government has taken. It is for six months. I'm assuming that is for them to sort of go back to the drawing board and think around, you know, um, regulations, mm. you know, registration of scrap buyers, registration of scrap sellers. But it still, you know, it doesn't deal with the fact that, you know, we have a crime issue, and, yeah. and criminals, we all know, can be some of the most smartest people in the world, right? <laughs> um, they're probably going to take that scrap, even if it is said that, oh, okay, only these people can export, only these companies mm. can export scrap metal. They'll probably take yeah. that scrap metal, it into something, yeah. and then, you know, it still goes yeah. out. Tanya, pause so that for me
0: for a second. Let, let's pause then. We'll continue on this score after this. Seventeen minutes before eight PM, uh, we wrap up our business wrap tonight with Kanya Zurulega, co-founder out at Satana Capital. Kanya, just as we wrap up, you were suggesting that, uh, yeah, criminals are very pff, creative and uh, innovative folk, uh, and uh, you know there might be some ways and arbitrage around these potential export bans. Yeah,
1: definitely. I, I do think that you know there will be ways around it. Um, I just think that. You know, we we need to think about it more more clearly. Um, you know, from the perspective of what is this saying about the government's confidence in our mm. own crime-fighting capabilities? Um, that instead of saying that, listen, let's investigate these syndicates, let's try to you know build up cases, investigate, and pe- put people behind bars. He's just saying that, listen, we're actually going to close off this market where South Africa is expected to have a surplus of scrap metals because, like I said, due to, you know, our infrastructure projects not being that fast, we don't necessarily have a lot of useful scrap metals. Whereas in Europe, with all that they're trying to do with EVs and green energy and all of Mm -hmm. that, you know, that's something that they really are in demand of. And, you know, they, they came out a month or so ago saying, no, oh, this could actually be in contravention of, um, WTO, um, you know, regulations and, and agreements. Um, but I think that, you know, the government has made a point of getting the right legal opinion. So they can do it. They, we have the legal right as a mm-hmm. country to actually ban the, the export of scrap metal. Sure. My question is, Will this actually achieve what we wanted to achieve? Will it stop the theft of scrap metals? There are other avenues that criminals can look into, like I was saying. melt it in with something else and then, you know, somehow get it out of the country somehow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, let's just see, you know, what comes out of it. Maybe it will be effective. But from my perspective, oh, um, yeah. I was very surprised that this is actually the antidote um, that government has come up with. Yeah, yeah.
0: Kanya, we'll have to leave it here for tonight. Always a pleasure catching up with you and thank you very much for your time.
1: Thank you so much, Aya. Cheers.
0: Cheers. Kanya Nzurulega, co-founder out at Satana Capital, helping us with our wrap of the top business stories.